I thought organic food made me pure. I thought that exercising made me pure. I thought that these powerful, cool-looking yoga poses made me pure. I just thought all these things would keep me safe from feeling any emotions around that bullying, and I thought that it would keep me safe from disease. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today, I'm sharing part two of my conversation with Jesse Hames. If you haven't listened to part one, stop what you're doing right now and listen to part one. <laughs> I know I'm biased, but I think Jesse is incredible. Her story is incredible. Um, and you can hear a little more in depth about her bio and um, and our conversation if in the intro to part one. I'll just briefly say here that Jessie is a yoga teacher, she's studying exercise science and nutrition, and she's a survivor of thyroid cancer and an eating disorder. And in part two of our conversation, we're talking a lot about purity and perfectionism and body image and aging and self-worth. And Jessie has just done so much work in all of this. I think all of those things are things that women in particular really have to wrestle with in the society and, and culture that that we are raised in. And I really appreciate Jessie's honesty and authenticity, and I'm really inspired by her, and I think you will be too. Enjoy. There was this, this whole thing of like, not only do I want to achieve perfect health and achieve perfect looks on the outside, I want to do all of that in a perfect way right? Like I can't use any chemicals. I can't use any prescriptions. Like I'm going to achieve perfection and I'm going to achieve perfection perfectly. Yeah. I felt that in my soul. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm not good, but I'm glad that you know what I mean. I know. Yes. Working in the yoga community, there's a lot of people who are so against medicine And um, I think that our society is obsessed with purity, like how pure and how clean can we be, whatever that means to someone. I wanted. I know I was a. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have the word purity written in my notes, like huge. Like I need to ask Jesse about her relationship to purity. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what food kind of was for me. You know, it's like something that I'm putting into my body. I wanted the purest. I wanted the cleanest. It had to be organic. It had to be the best. Um, It so. I was very much obsessed with that. So when they told me, like, this was very hard. They were like, of all the cancers to get, this is, quote unquote, the best one to get because it has such a high cure rate. And obviously, you're so grateful for that. But that comes with the caveat that I lose one of them. I mean, all your organs are important. Don't get me wrong. But if somebody's listening and doesn't know what the thyroid gland is, sits in your neck and it controls your metabolism. So your metabolism is the sum process of all the chemical reactions that happens in our body. It controls the heart rate to your hair growth, your nail growth, um, your weight. Your it, it controls basically everything, your body temperature. Um, so I was like, oh my God. First I was like, this is how disordered I was. Like I'm embarrassed to admit this. I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to get the cancer that makes me fat. Like that's how disordered I was in my head. I literally was trying to put off surgery and treatment because I was scared I wouldn't fit into my wedding dress. Like that's, like I'm so embarrassed to say that out loud. It's the first time I've said that out loud outside of therapy. 
Um, but I also think it's important for people to hear that because people say eating disorders are not a big deal, but like they are because I was willing to risk my cancer spreading to my brain and my lungs to fit into a wedding dress for one day. Like that's messed up. <laughs> I get it though. You like know? I, I hate because it, but I get it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is your value. That is your goodness. That is your lovability. I get it. That's what we want more than anything is to be good and loved. Yes. So when they were like, you're going to be dependent on medication for the rest of your life. Well, medication to me was seen as unimpure. And I was so angry. Like there was so much anger in the beginning of my recovery because I was like, I remember calling one of my friends. I'm like, this is bullshit. I've been so healthy my entire life and I get thyroid cancer and I'm losing the gland that controls my weight and I don't want to gain weight. This is such bullshit. Like what I should have been focusing on was the fact that I got a cancer that has a 98% cure rate and that I was going to be okay. Mm. But I couldn't even see that at the time. So I was so, so angry and I couldn't believe I was going to have to take a pill every single day for the rest of my life. And, um, I literally had people come up to me and be like, Oh, we'll try these essential oils. Oh, try this diet. And, and, and I got even more angry because I was like, I don't have a thyroid. Like I would die without this medication. And that was when my mindset switched. Like when I realized like, okay, you know what? I don't have to do chemotherapy. I got to do a different type of treatment. Like, thank God we had this type of medicine where the medicine that I took only targeted my thyroid cells. So chemotherapy, it kind of wipes out all of your cells. And with thyroid cancer, we take what's called radioactive iodine. So it only harms the thyroid tissue or the thyroid cells that are in your body because your thyroid cells can float around, um, you know, outside of the gland. So it was just like, when I finally got to the point of like, wow, how lucky am I that all I have to do is take a little pill and I will stay alive and have hopefully a rest, like a healthy life for the rest of my life. Um, so when people would start to offer me things like oils and juices and da, 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 it made me angry. Cause I was like, do you guys, I mean, they didn't understand, you know, like they're not going through it, but this medication saved my life. And so when people say things like there was some huge thing on Instagram that this guy posted about how a juice cleanse can cure you of cancer. I was outraged because I was like, you know what? I ate like that. I ate like that for 18 years and I still got cancer. Like, and this you were so young you. too. Like it's at, at 26. Yeah. So it, it was just like when, when I finally realized that my healthy eating did not keep me safe from disease, that's when I was like, thank God for modern medicine. And I, I do know that there's, you know, there's a dark side of every single business in the world, like even yoga, you know, there's, there's a dark political bad side there too. And people say, oh, big pharma is so terrible. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm sure they're not great everywhere, but big pharma saved my life. Big pharma allowed me to receive a treatment that didn't kill like all the cells in my body Big Pharma allows me to take an injection at the end of this year so I don't have to come off of my hormone replacement anymore. Like it, it has given me a second chance. And when I realized that this is my second chance, that was the, the big turning point. Along with that anger, that anger really kind of fueled me to be like, I was done. I was done with diet culture. I was done with this eating disorder. I, I was just like, you know what? I should have known better. Like I studied this stuff. But again, when you have a disorder in your mind, like it's very hard, like we were talking about to dissociate the disorder from what you actually know. And then I started diving back into my books and everything that I had studied because I had to take time off from school. And the more I started learning and now that I'm back in school, it just like 
baffles me, baffles me how much um, the fitness industry and especially the yoga industry sells these lies that if you just eat vegetables and fruit, you'll be healthy. If you cut out meat and dairy and gluten or pasta and bread, oh, well, then you'll be healthy. I did all those things and I got sick. Um, and there's also no evidence proving that unless you have an allergy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the more that I dug back into my studies, um, I was just like, fuck it, I'm done. I am speaking out against this. Like, I wish so badly I had somebody in the field speak out against this. I wish, I just wish I had somebody to confide in in this community. And I hope even if it's one person that I help, it was worth it to me. Um, my husband was not very fond of this. He was like, how are you just putting all your stuff out there? And I was like, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just don't care. Like, I'm, I'm just so angry and I am part of the problem if I don't speak up. That was how I felt. It was like, if I keep my mouth shut, I'm just as bad as all these people spewing out all this shit because I'm privileged to receive this education and I'm privileged to have access to X, Y, and Z and certain foods and doctors and medications. And so for me to just let people say these things, if I, if I stay quiet, like I felt like I was just adding to the problem. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Our society is just like, there's so much shame around medicine and I don't think there should be. I know some doctors do overprescribe. I mean, my father is an example. He, my father has diverticulitis, which would literally go away if he ate vegetables, but he's like, I'm eating potatoes. Just give me the medicine. Right, right, I don't right. want to eat it. You know, like, and, and my dad like will sneeze and he wants antibiotics. And yes, like, I don't know if that's a generational thing, <laughs> yeah. but like, so I'm not saying that like no doctors do that. There absolutely are, but it happens in functional medicine too. Right. And so when I was first diagnosed, I was like, I was like, I'm going to do cancer perfectly. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to find a functional medicine doctor. So I will get all the supplements that I need that would help support the medication that I'm going to take for my thyroid health. And uh, the functional medicine doctor was like, you should probably get therapy. And I was like, what? (laughs) And um, I'm really grateful to her. Mm. Um, I don't know what happened to her. She unfortunately passed away unexpectedly. And so then I hired this new lady and I come in and she just spewed all of this health halo diet culture bullshit. And I was just like, wow, like this stuff is so ingrained even into our healthcare system. Like it blows my mind. She was like, oh, you tested positive for Hashimoto's, right? So I didn't have my thyroid at this point. So I'm like, how the hell do I have a thyroid autoimmune disease mm-hmm. and I don't even have it? She goes, you just need to follow a paleo protocol. If you cut out dairy, gluten, and whatever else paleo is, she's like, your antibody count will go down. So, you know, my therapist is also a registered dietitian, and I go back to her. She goes, Jesse, that is not true. That is purely anecdotal. There's no evidence showing that cutting these things out helps with antibodies. She's like, it's just diet culture. So I did not tell the functional medicine doctor that I wasn't going to follow the protocol. I just knew, by the way, I had told her like five minutes before that I had an eating disorder and then she's like giving me a restricted diet. Mm. So like that's healthcare, right? Um, So when I went back for my next round of blood work and I saw that my antibodies dropped, I was like, I did not change one thing in my diet. All I did was work on my stress management and my Mm. antibodies dropped more than half and nothing changed in my diet except that I added sugar and bread and pasta and cheese and pizza because life is way too short. (laughs) And it had, it, it has nothing to do with Hashimoto's. I'm not saying 
maybe for some person, maybe cutting those things out did help. You know, if you're lactose intolerant, well, of course, don't eat dairy. You're going to feel awful or go take the lactase enzyme so that you can digest it. If you have celiac disease, please don't eat gluten. You will get extremely sick. But most of us don't have these allergies or intolerances. But if you tell somebody like, this can help you with this and you don't need to take medication, that's really, really powerful. You know, like I was definitely one of those people, like I didn't, I don't know. I just really believe that food could cure all things. And when I learned that it didn't and I realized my obsession with purity, I was just like, wow. And then just seeing how ingrained it is in our medical care system too. Like, I mean, fat people get overlooked so much by doctors. It blows my mind. It's awful. Because everything's just blamed on weight. On weight. Yeah. 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 And it could have nothing to do with weight. I mean, People would say things to me like, oh, well, you're going to heal so fast because you eat so healthy. I'm like, literally, that's not how it works. And it would just, oh, now now I can just let it roll off my shoulder. But back then I would get all preachy and I'd be like, well, actually, I eat nothing but this, 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 and this. And I got cancer. So no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, what's funny is your dad's attitude towards it. Like sometimes I'm like, man, that's kind of freeing. Like that some yes. people don't put that value on it and they can just be like, yeah, it doesn't make me a bad person if I take a medication. Like that's right. so foreign right. to me. Like I don't know where I got. So I'm curious to know for you, like I think what I found was when I was a child, I would use the vocabulary of religion to express that desire to be pure or to try to seek that purity. So for me, it was like I grew up Catholic and it was like, I'm not going to sin. I'm going to be this perfect little angel girl. You know, I'm going to just deny that I have a body, um, (laughs) basically. Um, And then when I got older, I didn't use that vocabulary anymore. But I was like, okay, I'm going to try to be pure in like a Buddhist way and in like a health and wellness. And I say Buddhist very loosely, um, you know, like the a loose, a loose version of a westernized Buddhist. Yeah. Um, and sure. like I'm going to be spiritually just like pure. I'm going to not try not to be attached to things. And I'm going to be in terms of health and wellness, like trying right. to find purity through, yeah, no medication, just try to eat perfectly, just be perfect. Yes. I'm going to do these yoga poses even if they really hurt my knees, you know, um, because yes. yoga is good for you. So I should be able to do it. Therefore, I'm going to do it. It's good for me. Um, so like what different forms has that desire for purity taken over the course of your life? Has it shifted? Um, and when did it kind of land in that health and fitness, wellness realm for you? I think the purity point for health and wellness shifted um, when I had left that job that we were talking about when I was managing. Um, I even remember because I had gained so much weight sitting there for somebody of my frame, right? I'm, right. We're both short people. I, I think a, a trigger warning, um, I gained 10 pounds there, um, mainly because I sat all day and I turned to food because I was so stressed. Um, and just the people that practice at this place or worked at this place, um, they always made comments about people's bodies. I mean, I can even remember that somebody there wouldn't let me hire certain people based on how they looked, which is literally illegal. Um, but you know, I was, I was so young and I didn't know how to talk back to this person. Um, so I just kept my mouth shut and I, I remember when I left, I was like, 
screw these people. Like, I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to look so good. I'm going to get a revenge body. Like they did me wrong. And my purity shift, that's, that's when it shifted. When I, when I left that place, I started freelancing at a whole bunch of other places again. And I had lost, I lost the 10 pounds, you know, plus some, um, I got addicted to weight training and I got addicted to how small my body was becoming and I associated my small body with purity and health and perfectionism um and it it was just like my purity was set in how small can I make my body because every time I lose more weight I get more praise people I mean people this is so messed up people would say to me like can you talk to my daughter about how to lose weight because you look so amazing like how did you do it and I wish I would have had the balls to be like oh I have an eating disorder and I'm really fucked up but <laughs> I was like I just eat really clean and I don't eat any sugar and I literally just don't eat anything and then I work out for like two hours a day and I have no life and I hate myself even though I have abs but I don't go out because I'm too scared to eat anything that I don't know what's in the food um yeah. and food was very much about purity for me too like I <laughs> I have changed my views on a lot of things. Like I used to make fun of my husband and be like, how could you eat anything GMO? It's so bad for you. And now I, you know, I have the science background that I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. I'm so sorry. Like none of that's true, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. And I just, I genuinely thought I was doing something good for myself. Like I thought organic food made me pure. I thought that exercising made me pure. I thought that yoga made me pure. I thought that these powerful, like, cool looking yoga poses made me pure like I just thought all these things would keep me safe from um feeling any emotions around that bullying and I thought it would keep me safe from disease because disease runs rampantly in my family when it comes to cancer um almost everyone on my mom's side has died of cancer and my mom has um she had lung cancer never smoked a day in her life and she has an incurable form of leukemia um you know, so it's just, I always had this fear. Like I even remember as a kid, I used to think like, you know, I was maybe 16. I would be like, Oh God, like, I just feel like I'm going to get cancer one day. Cause like oh it's gosh. in our family. Um, so when it happened, like, you, you know, it wasn't funny, but I was like, Oh shit. Like I kind of knew. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and that's so traumatic I in and of itself. I mean, all of that, like yeah, that's a lot of so- trauma that you're carrying so like that disease is really really scary like I am personally terrified of death like I do not want to die I'm so scared of dying my sister she studies forensic science she's like so intrigued by dead people she's like well it's gonna happen to all of us what's the big deal and I'm like you're just not gonna exist anymore it's so sad (laughs) it's kind of a big deal yeah and I was so scared of that so I thought like if this if I do all these things that I believe made me pure and what society, what doctors told me would make me pure, like it won't happen to me. And then when it did happen to me, it was like, oh, I need to reevaluate like literally everything that I'm doing right now. Did you use food as purity? Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. I am not a disciplined person. It also is kind of like a pendulum swing for me. Like, I grew up eating a lot of fast food and pizza and mm-hmm. like when we were at Drew, I would eat like bagels for dinner. Like <laughs> I was, yeah, I was the opposite. <laughs> it took me till my twenties to like discover vegetables. So <laughs> then I was like, I would go through periods of like trying to eat perfectly, but it wouldn't work. Like there was one, okay, I have this story that I, <laughs> I've Sorry. never shared on the podcast, um, but I was, it was a few weeks into the first time I tried to do like a candida food 
you know, like candida diet. And I always right. was really skeptical, but also kind of like with you, like I kind of know better, but I just so deeply want to try to control this the way that I want to control. Like I have, yeah. this, I have a real fear of medication because I've had some bad allergic reactions to um, okay. antibiotics and um, ibuprofen. And um, so I always, I have this fear almost like, you know, almost like a phobia of taking medication because right. I'm like, I'm going to have allergic reaction. I'm going to die. Um, right. Or there's going to be some side effects that are really bad or whatever. So um, so anyway, I'm trying to do this candida thing and because also the yeast infections. And my boyfriend and I went on a hiking, camping trip. And it was a couple weeks in. And, like, my digestion was not going super well um, because oh, I was eating, no. like, I just was not. Because I probably still wasn't eating enough vegetables, really. Like, I was eating a ton of, like, quinoa. And I don't okay. digest quinoa well, I've realized. <laughs> but again, it's healthy, so just keep eating it, regardless of right. how you how your body seems to be digesting it, right? So we, we went on this, we were on this all-day uh, hike. We were hiking, like, a couple of peaks in the White Mountains in New Hampshire. And um, towards the top, like, we were almost at the top of the mountain, and I was like, oh, my stomach feels weird because I was just eating like tons of like nuts and like quinoa and some meat I guess and I don't know there was not enough balancing that stuff out so I was like okay I know that there's like a hut where people stay like a little ways down from the top of the mountain I'll try to use the bathroom there I'm sorry if this is TMI but I think it's really funny now looking back oh my god I literally talk about poop all the okay, time okay so good so. yeah because this is a no story. you're not gonna phase me <laughs> <laughs> so I stop um at this hut to try to go to the bathroom and nothing was happening but I was in so oh. much pain like I, I had never experienced anything like this. I was probably also it's dehydrated because it was like, you know, I'm hiking up these mountains in the middle of July. I'm sweating. Like I was probably also kind of dehydrated, not eating a very balanced diet and um, right. and eating so differently from how my body was used to eating. Right. So I'm at the, I'm in this hut for like 20 minutes. The sun's going down. I'm like, we have to go. So I come out. <laughs> I'm just like, Martin, I don't know. Nothing's happening. I'm in pain. We gotta go. <laughs> but we have to go. And I and Martin's a really friendly guy. And I was like, please don't talk to anyone on the hike down because if something starts happening, like I run. can't. Yeah, like we're. I'm gonna have to just like run into the woods. I really don't. So what should happen? <laughs> but we this bachelor party catches up with us and they're like hey no. guys can we hike down with you for a bit and I was like oh god no, <laughs> no. and um it was <laughs> it was just like <laughs> I was also super anxious I was just like uh like I feel terrible how am I gonna like hike it all the way down this mountain we're with this bachelor party now um it's pitch black and finally they leave and a little while later I was just like Mm, it's happening it's gonna happen now oh no <laughs> so luckily they're gone <laughs> i go off the trail i go to the bathroom Did you explode <laughs> it wasn't like it was not as bad as i feared but i definitely felt a lot better <laughs> the funny part also is that martin was like okay you you have to bury that you can't just like leave it <laughs> and i was like i don't like, i was like i don't have You're a like, shovel I'm like a hole for that <laughs> what do you want i was like i don't know how to I don't know. And he was like, all right, I'll come over and help. And I was like, no, you can't come. 
you can't you can't see this like you can't see me like this you can't see this he was like you're wearing a headlamp you just shined it right on it like I already saw it the damage is done I'll come dig the hole you can figure out how to get it in there so it was a real bonding experience um and I so funny I skipped like the last mile of that hike I skipped skipped the last mile we got in the car I was like drive to Applebee's I'm starving let's go get a real meal and I just ate like I don't know and I had like you know ate whatever I wanted got ice cream whatever my digestion was like fine the next day um so that's my really long-winded mountain poop story that um (laughs) but it was like so yeah like it was amazing i would go through these phases where i was like this is good for me like no matter how my body reacts this is good for me i have to do it then i'd get to a boiling point where i was like fuck it i can't do it then i'd binge on you know like a lot of treats and desserts and you know like i'd i'd swing the total other way and then i'd feel really bad about myself and it was just you know so i would kind of have these cycles for a couple years there and um and then finally yeah a couple months ago I was just like nope not doing that anymore like it's not worth it um but it was like it definitely was coming from a place of feeling bad about myself feeling ashamed feeling like and I did I finally I got into therapy um with a new therapist a couple months ago and I said to her like I am afraid that if I go on medication for something and it changes me somehow like I'm going to be less pure and if I get sick, if I go on a medication and I'm not, I'm not, and I gain weight or something, like people are not going to love me anymore. Like I'm going to be bad and people are not going to love me. Yeah. Even doctors will like, the fat phobia that doctors project onto people and like the things that, um, just that society thinks is normal. I mean, I literally had friends that were, because I was diagnosed four months before my wedding. They're like, oh, well, we'll help you lose like. 10 pounds before your surgery so that like if you do gain weight right so that like if I did gain weight well I would just be back to where I was like I should not be like I know but like it was so normalized and like people encouraged me to do that and then I had um a radiology oncologist who told me that I should not eat more than 50 grams of carbohydrates a day because glucose feeds cancer cells and they were studying ketogenic diets in cancer patients. Um, but these studies were done in rats, right? And so we know that mm. we cannot say what works in the animal study works for human studies. Like, we do not know that. We do not have enough evidence. The only evidence that we have that a ketogenic diet would be a positive use for would be somebody who has epilepsy. Um, so, like, the stuff that even our doctors, like, tell patients that it was such an eye-opener during this process of, like, even how they were, some doctors were against medication. They were like, well, you can just modify with your diet. And I was like, I'm pretty sure if I don't eat whatever you don't want me to eat, it's not going to cure my cancer. So, and like you have a PhD in oncology. So that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> and you know, what's interesting too, is I feel like, you know, I go into the doctor's office and because I've, I've generally been pretty healthy and I'm thin. Well, A, I feel like sometimes they don't take certain things seriously because they're like, well, you're thin. Yes. So, And when they're like, oh, you're so good. Like, you're so easy. Everything's good. You're not on medication. You're thin. Um, you're good. You're easy. You're a good one. Like, there's this vocabulary even there. There's like value judgment there, right? Like, even in those settings, I think that's part of what's so scary. And I think that is part of what drives people to just want 
so badly for there to be another way, right? Like a more human feeling, like, you know, um, approach to treatment sometimes because it is so vulnerable and it can feel like it can trigger so many of these, like just the most vulnerable parts of you and like your identity and all of it. So, yeah, I think you said it right in that your identity. I think food is identity for people. Um, and I don't mean that in a bashing way at all. I know that I used it as my identity. And there's this awesome podcast with Christy Harrison. And I can't remember his name, but I will look it up for you when we're um, off later tonight. But he did a podcast with her about how religion and food intersect so much and how oh gosh, religious, yes. like religious talk or religious terminology is so ingrained into food um, and how we use that to like find a community and sometimes it can be very cult-like and and it's so true I was like oh my I'm like listening to this podcast and I'm like yes yes oh yeah that's true too yes yes Um, because like I definitely um you know I had friends who I can definitely tell you they won't admit it but they have maybe not an eating disorder but disordered eating and they could use a little bit of help um and like we used to latch on to each other and be like, oh, I'm trying this. Oh, well, I got this new type of health food. Oh, I'm doing this. And it's like you you all kind of like we kind of find each other and latch on to that. And it's so important to us and we believe it so much. And so when anybody comes to challenge it, it's like, what? Like, this is who I am. Don't take that away from me. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of an example like. A paleo diet. I have nothing against people who do paleo diet. I just randomly picked that. Um, they're like, somebody might hold on to that so deeply and they don't want to let that go because it gives them an identity that maybe they didn't have before and it gives them a community that they maybe didn't have before. Oh, you know what? Whole30 is a perfect example. Mm. Like There are so many Whole30 support group type of things online and I'm like, if y'all need a support group to eat X amount of food for 30 days, like maybe we should reevaluate this. I think so much of what we're talking about has these puritanical roots and I think there's something like an idea that if something's easy or pleasurable, it's wrong or bad. Like yes. our relationship to um, things being just kind of being easier and being and and being pleasurable and finding pleasure in the things that we experience with in our bodies. Like somewhere along the way, I feel like that gets a bad rap, you know? Um, oh, yeah. It's so much it's so much more instinctual for me to punish myself than to be kind and gentle to myself. I feel like for women, food and purity is so closely tied because it it relates to body image. Yeah. And women are like, so this is something I've been struggling with lately. It's like, I see changes in my skin and I'm starting to get gray hair and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh my God, no, like, okay, I'm like, I'm starting to change a little bit. Um, and I'm like, I'm scared and I'm like, oh my God, society just throws women out. Like the second you're not in your early twenties anymore, it's like, we're garbage. And I'm like, you know what? I don't agree with it. <laughs> this is not okay. Like we have so much to offer. I think women are amazing and not that I don't think men are amazing too. You know, there's some amazing men out there. Um, but oh God, just the pressure that we face to, look a certain way and then how that's tied back to food like 
I mean, the stuff that my brother will say, I'm like, oh my God, I want to punch you in the face right now. He'll be like, oh, she's a cow. Like if she just ate less food, she could be so beautiful. And then she could have a husband and da da da. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe she's happy the way she is. And she doesn't need a husband to be successful. And like, but those, all those ideals are just like thrown on us and they're impossible to keep up with. And as I'm nearing 30, um, I just like, I start to feel that more and more that like society just kind of starts to get rid of us because we're not going to have our youthful, quote unquote, youthful beauty anymore. I mean, I would argue there's so much more beauty and the maturity that comes along and the wisdom that we gain from getting older. But I don't know. Like I struggle with that. I struggle I with like starting to age a little bit. It, it Honestly, it freaks me out. I'm like, oh my God, like I don't, I don't want to lose it because I don't want people to like, not want to talk to me and yeah things like that it terrifies me I'm right there with you I started to worry about it as soon as I turned like 22 or 23 when I was 24 yeah yeah because I was like wait is this my peak like is this the moment when I'm the most valuable I will ever be and is this I feel like this is like kind of crazy but I went through a really like unhealthy period with guys when I was like 22, 23, because I was like, I have to soak in all the quote unquote love. It was not love, but I have to try to get all the love I can now because as I get older, I will not be lovable and I will not get this anymore. So let me try to somehow like soak all of this in. Um, It was very, it was not a good thing. You know, it was very like destructive. Um, but it was because but it's understandable. It came from that fear of like I'm I'm gonna become invisible to people. I'm going to become less lovable. I'm going to become less valuable. Whereas men are praised, right, as they age. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, he's a silver fox. I was just gonna oh, say a silver fox, he, right? It, you know, and uh, oh god, it it's not fair. <laughs> I know, and that. But you know what's funny is like I think about, I think about, like when we were at Drew. If I saw, when I saw you on campus, I was always just like, oh my gosh, that girl's so beautiful. Like, she looks so perfect. She must just have the perfect life. And like, if I saw you like being nice to someone, I probably would have had a moment of like, oh God, she has to be nice too. Like, oh, you know, like, and like feeling some sort of like animosity, you know, which is horrible. Like, whether we or not, all do it. Whether or I'm not guilty. you were yeah. struggling at the time, that's horrible no matter what. But also then learning that you were, it's even more horrible. And it's like, wow, what a fucked up trick it is that so you hate yourself. I hate myself. <laughs> I hate you. Maybe you hate me for some reason. Like and then um we try to find love from from men, I guess, but like and I'm not saying like I I know that you and I also both have like have beautiful female relationships too. And like I, I don't mean to say, oh, women just like compete and hate each other because that's not true either. But there is a real there is something that's really ingrained in us to be like to feel threatened or to feel animosity towards another woman who appears to have achieved that perfection that you feel you never will. And maybe 22 year old Victoria was hotter <laughs> I don't know. But thank God that 28-year-old Victoria can now be like, Jesse Haynes is a fucking amazing woman with a beautiful oh, soul. Oh, I feel the same about you. And like, 
fuck 22 year old Victoria if she was ever like oh I hate that she looks so pretty and she's so nice you know what I mean like I feel like now I can look at other beautiful women beautiful inside and out and be like you're a gift you know like you're a human being and you're a gift and you're so much more than that and it doesn't mean I never feel that like jealousy or anything but like I can definitely question it quicker and I can like call myself on that shit and I can just be like there's more to it yeah and and like you said we all do it um I I noticed it like so (laughs) I there are certain gyms that I will not go to or work in anymore um because I found that like the higher socioeconomic status women had the more of like that catty culture existed and it was so toxic that like I hated going to work there because of the things that these women would say about other women and like these women are in their 30s and 40s so like the fact that they don't have the maturity to just like leave these other people alone kind of just blew my mind and I just said to my mom one day I was like oh my god like I really thought that when I hit my 30s and 40s that like women would kind of chill out a little bit more and like we, we wouldn't be like quote unquote competing. And like my mom was like, Oh my God, Jesse, she's like, I'm 63 and women still do it. It's ridiculous. Um, but I have to say, like, I feel like our generation is kind of the first one to be like, no, like we're going to clap for other women. We're going to be proud of other women. Like we're going to support each other and, um, starting to break that animosity. But I just noticed in like women in their late thirties and on like it's just kind of really surprising me that there's still so much animosity with the maturity and wisdom that you gain by that amount of time. Part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast around the theme of growing up and growing wise is because I think age is just a number even with that. Like if you don't, if you're not really actively like calling yourself on your own bullshit and finding the support you need to like grow beyond um, some of that stuff, like You know, at the end of the day, I feel for those women who still feel so shitty about themselves and maybe feel like they are disappearing and they're not getting the same attention and love. And that that too is a loss of identity. And, you know, we live in a whole culture that is just designed to be like women. You try to make yourselves as small as possible. Make yourselves just kind of like slowly disappear um, in front of your own eyes in the hopes of getting that validation for your body. And then when your body starts to get bigger, you're actually going to disappear to us. You know what I mean? Like, we're older. Yeah. Um, so ideally, you get you you gain wisdom as you get older, but I don't think it's necessarily a given if you don't if you don't have the support to help you. Like, I don't know, feel like I mean, I'm really struck. Like I said to my therapist this morning, I was like, "So how do I learn to love myself?" You know, like, could you give me like a list of to-dos what do it yes Um, and I I was kind of joking because I know I'm doing things but it's hard you know it's definitely really hard especially in our culture yeah one of my friends she's back in Jersey and I think she's in her 40s she's amazing like I love this woman to pieces and um she struggles with it she's like you know she goes I noticed now in my 40s that I don't receive the same attention from men that I used to receive and you know, she's like, my relationship's a little bit different with my husband than it used to be. And not necessarily in a bad way, but, you know, bodies change and faces change and our skin's going to change and our hair changes. And that's been a huge part of um, therapy for me and recovery of 
my therapist being like, okay, so you're, you're accepting this body that you're in now, Jesse, but do you understand that in your thirties, your body will change again? Do you understand that if you choose to have children, your body's going to change again? When you go through menopause, your body will change again. And I was like, um, we're not there yet. Like, just let me (laughs) (laughs) one day at a time. (laughs) Right. Right. But she's like, but you have to understand that like, it's great that you're starting to accept your body now, but can you be comfortable and open to the idea that your body will change again? And it terrified me. And so when my friend was like, when she opened up to me and was like, I just noticed that like, I don't receive the same praise and attention as I used to when I was younger. She's like, it's frustrating and it's sad. And it kind of makes me feel like that's all I was good for. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, part of me going back to school was like, this is going to sound a little conceited and I don't mean for it to, but I literally had a professor that just looked me up and down when I went back to school and just gave me a smirk. And I was like, fuck you. Like, let me show you. Like I have a brain in here. Um, and I did happily very well in school. Um, but it has happened quite a few times going back to school. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I get frustrated that all people can see is an exterior. And I'm like, I want to offer my brain and I want to help people and I want to learn. And so part of that has like fueled my perfectionism with school because I'm like, no, I refuse to be defined by this. So I have to get perfect grades in school so that um, so that I know for myself, like, do you know what I'm trying to articulate? I totally get what you mean. Like there's that pressure of I am not just this body. I'm worth more yeah like I'm scared of losing my youth and so part of me going back to school I was like okay well if I'm not going to be young forever like I need to I need to learn something and get really really good at it so that I have worth in something else yeah. and, um my therapist oh, totally was like maybe yeah so it's like it, it's it was very unhealthy for a while now now you know I'm in school because I, I genuinely love what I'm studying um my therapist was like, do you think you could just learn to like love yourself and not have to worry about what others think of you? And I was like, oh, what a concept. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, you know, I can relate because I, I've thought in the past about, I've always been really drawn to like psychology and I thought it'd be really cool to be a therapist. And for a little bit there, I was like, but I need to be a young, hot therapist. Like, oh, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't, it. Yeah. I, I have to be like, I want to be, and I think I've, my intelligence would sometimes be praised in the context of you're so young and smart, like, oh, you're so young and you're, you know, you're reading at such a high level or you're so young and you're so wise beyond your years. I feel like a lot of the praise comes from my youth in conjunction with my brain. So I was kind of like, well, being a therapist, like being a therapist is only going to be validating my sense of being good being exceptional being better right. if I'm young but like it was not really the right time for me at all and, and I'm glad that I that I didn't you know I listened to my my gut about it um but there was definitely like a part of me that was like you know I want to be like one of those young Instagram therapists you know who's like beautiful yeah. and smart and young and a therapist and writing papers and like and then I've, yeah, I've been kind of letting go of that and like just being like, that's not going to serve me. It's not going to make me happy. Like, it's just not. Right. And that it's hard to acknowledge that. And so one of my ultimate dreams, like 
so I wanted to either do physical therapy or to be a professor of anatomy and physiology. Like I just love, love, love studying the human body. It blows my mind. Um, and like part of it, when I would be like, st- I was literally at Whole Foods one time. Somebody comes up to me. It was a much older man. And he's like, oh, what are you studying? And at this time, I was like, oh, you know, I think I want to teach anatomy and physiology. This was before I found out. It was going to take like eight years of school. <laughs> and he, his response was not, oh, that's great. And da, da, da. it was, oh, well, you'll be such a beautiful teacher. The boys won't even be able to focus. Uh... And I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like. I'm spending like 10 hours a day on my weekend studying and that's what you have to say. Like, like that's just what women are reduced to. And if it was a man saying, Oh, I'm studying to be a professor of anatomy and physiology or whatever, like that response would have been totally different. Yeah. Totally different. And so it just like gets under my skin. <laughs> it, and But you know what? My thing is that at the same time that I'll be really horrified by something like that, I'll also find it validating. Like, when I would, yeah. I don't do this. I don't, I, there was a short period of time where I would try, I would go jogging. Um, again, like maybe like a couple times over the years, I'd be like, I'm going to start running now, even mm-hmm. though like, I, again, really don't have the knees for a lot of these things. Um, and would end up in a lot of pain, but like I get honked at and stuff. And then, and I'd be like, oh, like I hate it and it scares me. And also I find it validating. Like, I don't know how to reconcile. Yeah. All of Cause that. like, Oh, I still got it. Yeah. Okay. And then a couple of years later, like I started trying to jog again and I wasn't getting honked at. And probably part of it was that I was not wearing like revealing outfits running anymore. Like, um, I was probably just wearing whatever was most comfortable, but I was also kind of like, Oh, am I just like disgusting now? Like, I feel like I am, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. No, totally. And when, it's so um, hard to navigate that, like, to genuinely simultaneously feel like this, atten- this like, aggressive attention scares me, disgusts me, and also makes me feel validated. And I kind of, like, want that, you know? Yeah. And when people stop saying things, it's like, oh, did, what what changed? And um, I remember when I started gaining weight during my recovery, um, all the compliments stopped because when I first got my surgery, I don't know what happened, Victoria, but I lost so much weight. Mm. I don't know if it was like, um, well, I think part of it was losing muscle mass because I was in bed for so long. Mm. Um, but when I lost muscle mass, I looked so skinny. Um, and everybody would come up to me and they would grab my waist and they'd be like, Oh my, oh my God, you look amazing. Like, how are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, Oh, I feel fucking horrible. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that to these people. I'm at work. So it, it was just so weird. And it was so uncomfortable having people like pinch my waist and being like, you look so good. You were so worried about your wedding. You had nothing to worry about. Look how tiny you oh are. My and then, um, after the wedding, when, um, I was like, I was committed. I was like, okay I'm going all into recovery like that I need this I just want to get better it's going to be uncomfortable but I'm just going to do it and um you know so along with that comes the weight gain because I'm not restricting my food anymore and all the compliments and praises stopped and in my head I was like oh my god I'm ugly I'm not lovable nobody is going to want to talk to me nobody's going to be my friend nobody's going to find me attractive um, and then I would be like, but why do I care? Why, why the hell do I care? Like I'm married. I have the most amazing husband in the world and I have amazing friends and I have an amazing family, but like not receiving that outside validation. It was like, it was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't stupid, even imagine. But... <laughs> no, but 
honestly, Jesse, like I can't even imagine the it's the physical and the mental and emotional ordeal of all of that. I mean, it was like really like what could be the 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 most fiery crucible for Jesse to be placed in, you know, like <laughs> here it is. And the fact that you that you are able to turn it into what you have is absolutely incredible. And oh, I'm actually you. I'm curious to know, like, I mean, I know that you're a yoga teacher. I'm curious to know, like, does spirituality factor into all of this for you at all? Um, you know, I will say during treatment, I, I've never been religious. Um, we we grew up, oh my God, see, this is how bad I am. I don't even know if my mom is Catholic or Christian, but she's one of those. And my dad is Jewish. <laughs> so we never really grew up with any one thing because we had a mixed background. Um, but, you know, I will say when I was diagnosed, I was scared and I would pray and I would just say, please, please, um, I pray that I have my health back. And um, there was definitely a side of me that opened up that was not there before that. Um, I, you know, I think out of fear because it was like everything was out of my control for the first time. And I remember it was the night before my scan and I was in the room and I was just crying because I had to be quarantined. So I was by myself and I just oh cried and I said, dear God, please let my scan come back clear tomorrow. Please, please, please. I pray for a clear scan. Um, so certain things like that just brought me closer to, I don't know if it was religion or spirituality, but definitely something that I hadn't experienced before. Um, I think mainly because I have always been so science-based um, that it it kind of almost seemed, I don't know, like I, I need evidence. And it's like, well, how do you prove that? But, you know, when you're scared and you have nothing else to turn to, like it was very comforting to have prayer there for me. Um, I think it's affected my yoga teaching quite a bit, like finding um, just like, just hope, finding hope, finding hope or faith, whatever that means to somebody. To me, it was just, you know, getting through the day and my teaching became much more relaxed and much more gentle. Whereas before I would have been like, we do this to prevent this type of injury or this type of deformation or da 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 da. Whereas now I, you know, it's like, listen to your body. If, if something hurts, please don't do it. <laughs> If it feels good, it's probably okay. Um, I became really, really much more interested in restorative yoga because I knew how much it impacted my mental health and it transformed my life. And that was something that meant way more to me than a yoga pose. And that was something I wanted to share with people. So my teaching has definitely taken a huge turn in that regard. I still like some tower yoga just from time to time, but it's definitely not going to be my first pick. Um, but it, it, I don't know, the restorative yoga, it was just the mental peace. And I don't know if it was spiritual, not to be honest with you. It just, it gave me release. I just remember every time I would practice restorative yoga, I would cry a lot. Mm. And it was tears that I didn't even know that were still in there. But I would always feel lighter and I would feel happier. And I felt like there was less tension in my body. And it really changed my life, as corny as that might sound. But I, I was like, I said to my husband, like, I really want to share this with people. Like, I want to share this sense of peace because it is the most freeing thing to be able to feel my emotions and um, just cry it out in a safe space or just think about things in a safe space. I always ask um, one question at the end 
Um, but there's kind of two that I've, there's a second one that I've been playing around with. So I'm going to like pose both sure. to you and then whichever one you feel like answering right now. Um, so okay. w- the one question that I typically ask is what's something that you're learning about or growing into right now? Um, and the other one that I'm playing with now is just what's something that's making you feel alive lately? Um, accepting and embracing change. My therapist always says that change is awkwardness and uncomfortable uncomfortableness. There we go. Um, put into one thing and um, allowing myself to just ride the wave rather than trying to control the wave is extremely freeing. Mm. Um, it, it's not easy as like a perfectionist type A control freak, but I will say it makes my life a lot easier. You know, I don't freak out over about the cleanliness of my home anymore. And it saves me a lot of time. I do need to do things like study or, um, you know, I don't freak out about how my hair and makeup looks anymore. And so that's so freeing to just leave the house and not um, really care about that type of stuff anymore because I know that my worthiness is not based on that. Um, so definitely just learning to embrace change and to understand that I cannot control things and to let go of trying to control things. Cause I feel like those are two different, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can know you need to let go, but <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Again, intellectually understand easy. it. <laughs> yes. So what do you think, what, what gives you the strength to, to practice embracing change and letting go? Because of how much freedom it gave me back. Um, I, I just remember the first few weeks of therapy, I called my mom and I was like, I know I'm going to get better. Like after my first session, I called her in tears because I was like, it's going to happen, mom. Like I'm going to get there. And like, this is the first glimmer of hope. And um, that recovery is not a straight line of just like, I'm going to get better, better, better. I, I've totally slipped up and I have reverted back to behaviors at times. Um, but, you know, it's when I go back for a little bit more therapy and we say, hey, what, what's going on here? What what am I trying to get control of? Because for me, it's very much about control. So just constantly um, take care of my needs, whether that's going to therapy and reminding myself of how far I've come. Um, I will revert back to things like looking at my journals of starting recovery to where I am now. And I'm look how far I've come and if I want to slip back, I'll make lists of things that going like choosing recovery, what it gave me back. And when I have like that quote unquote, my science part of my brain, that evidence of like, I'm in such a better place. That's my motivation to want to stay in recovery and to not freak out over control and to um, live what I consider to be a truly healthy life. But I, I go back to those things quite a bit and, my therapist says with eating disorders, it, she's like, it's an average of like five to seven years. So people really feel completely free. And she's like, you've made such amazing progress. And she said that you came to me ready and wanting to get better. She says, most people don't, it's like a doctor or a parent is bringing them. So it can take a little longer, but I think having all those activities, I don't know if activities are the right words, but homework, maybe like all the homework that we do. Um, is such a good reminder of why we do this work and what it's given us back and the joy and freedom is what it gave me back. I mean, literally, it gave me my entire life back. The fact that 
I can go on a date and not have to like worry about what's on the menu or have to like, you know, trigger warning. Like I would, you know, maybe not eat anything for an entire day. So I wouldn't have to worry about how many calories were in dinner. And, um, I just, I have so much mental space back that I sometimes I'm like, wow, I have so much time now because I'm not so consumed all of this. And so when I can remember how far I've come is what keeps me going. And I'm so glad that you came to that, that you came to that idea of freedom, because it's something I've been thinking about so much lately. And that I've mentioned in some previous episodes that I think I used to be, I mentioned this in another episode, I used to be so afraid of freedom. And now I'm more afraid of not being free than I am of being free. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's like not easy. But, I love it. But I do think it it does often come down to that idea of freedom. And I think, again, for women, like there's a lot of like trauma and a lot of ingrained oppression, I think, um, and deciding to like cut ourselves free from some of that crap. Um as much as we can is really radical. Yes, I absolutely agree with everything you said. Oh, well, I know you have to study. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I really could have talked for another couple of hours. There's Me too. Just, so I would just say, seriously, everyone should listen to your episode of the Purposeful Strength podcast to hear a little bit Aww, more in detail about you. some of your story. and. Maybe I can have you on again sometime and we can. I would love that. And if you want, I can send you a bunch of resources. So if anybody's looking to this and they're struggling, um, I know therapy is like super expensive um, depending on where you are. So there's some resources that I was able to use that were so incredibly helpful that were not therapy based. I mean, they have therapy exercises in there, um, but you know, it's like $20 instead of paying a hundred something bucks or 80 bucks for an hour session that might not be feasible. So if you want, I can also send a whole bunch of things like that. Absolutely. I'll put everything on the show notes page on the website. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you. You're um, the sweetest and like, you're so amazing. You're badass. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. You're I mean, kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast, and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn.